Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. I'm your host, Kate Sayall, certified professional dog trainer, coming to you from Forward Radio 106.5 FM. You can check us out on our website, forwardradio.org. At Sit, Stay, Listen, we are here to answer your questions about your pets, their behavior, and why they do what they do, and to talk about what is going on with the pets in our community. And if you've been tuned in, then chances are you are up to speed with the story about Ethan, the dog that was dropped at the Kentucky Humane Society's main campus close to death back in January. In our episode last week, I talked to Jackie Claxton, medical services supervisor, who was there when Ethan was first brought in and was a huge part of his care and recovery at KHS. If you missed that episode, be sure to go to forwardradio.org and find the Sit, Stay, Listen page to get the first part of Ethan's story. Today, I'm going to be talking to Jeff Calloway. If you've been following Ethan's story, and I know so many of you have been, then you have heard Jeff's name many, many times. Jeff is our facilities director, and he was originally Ethan's foster, and Jeff and his family did ultimately end up adopting Ethan. And Ethan's been in your home for almost exactly two months now, if I have my numbers right. Yes. Uh, I think he came as a foster uh, just before Valentine's Day, a few days before Valentine's Day, I think. That seems kind of fitting, actually. Yeah. So tell me about when you first met Ethan and kind of how he ended up in your home as a foster. Well, uh, let's see, uh, January 29th, when he was left, you know, in the parking lot at the Humane Society, I had just left from the building and they called and, and asked me if I could check some video footage because a dog that is dying uh, was left in the parking lot. So uh, I, I turned around and came back, uh, checked the video footage. Uh, you see a car, but you, you know, you didn't really see exactly what happened. So I popped my head into the vet services room and they were actively working on him. Uh, it reminded me of um, like, you know, watching an emergency room on TV. Uh, I, I had not ever honestly had ever seen him moving that quickly doing that much stuff, you know, to one animal. I, I don't even think they saw me look in there. I didn't say anything. I just popped my head in and uh then I went about my day and couldn't get Ethan off of my mind, honestly. So, you know, I started texting uh, Dr. Buley that night. And, you know, at that point, I didn't, he didn't have a name. Like, I, I didn't say, hey, how was Ethan? I just said, hey, how was, how was the dog that was dropped today? There was something, uh, as strange as it kind of sounds, there was something about him when I heard his story and I saw him that I, I just wanted to be uh, a part of his life. And I didn't know if that was going to be, I didn't know if he was going to live. Uh, I didn't know if he was ever going to walk. Uh, I didn't know if he was going to have any problems. I obviously didn't know that he was going to uh, become as popular as he did, but I knew that day I wanted to be, do whatever I could for him. So uh, that was a Friday. All the whole weekend I was texting with Dr. Buley asking how he was doing. And, uh, you know, he would he was rushed 
uh, leaving home with Jackie that Friday night. They rushed him to the hospital that night and he was there for a few days. And um, so over the weekend and those first few days, I, I was texting her every day saying, you know, how's he doing? Uh, so she sent me a message that he, you know, he was coming back to KHS. And so I came to KHS the first full day that he was there and they had set up a, you know, like a, a whole Ethan room there in the vet services area. And I, I walked in and Dr. Buley was uh, <clears throat> sitting there with him and he was standing up. He was, you know, he was walking. Um, and so they had a baby gate right there. And, uh, you know, I, I said, oh, my gosh, he's, he's walking. And Dr. Billy said, I know it. I can't believe it. He's on his feet. And I, I put my face right by the baby gate. And he, he walked over to the baby gate and started licking me in the face. And, like, you know, right then, I, you know, I told her, I said, what, what can I do? Like, I want to do anything I can do for this dog. Like, can I, what do you need me to do? Is he going home with somebody? Can he come home with me? And she said, you know, he can't come home can't go home with anybody right now. He needs to stay here for care. But if you're serious and you, you want to volunteer, you can, you, you want to come in at nighttime. And I said, absolutely. She said, you know, you could come in, uh, feed him, clean him up, take him for a walk, give him some medicine, change his bandages. And you could like, you could help spell us. Like you could come every other night or every couple nights. And I told her, I said, if it's okay with you, I, I just come every night. Like, you know, I, I don't need to, I don't need to do it just every other night. I'll, I'll come every night. So, um, so that, that night, that, that, that first night I started coming in at nighttime, uh, to, you know, to clean up, uh, some messes that he had made in his room, uh, to change his bandages out on his legs, give him some medicine, feed him. We would go for a walk in the middle of the night around, uh, Steedley. I've got, <laughs> I've just got a bunch of pictures and videos from that time and, so, you know, it came time, you know, after a few days and uh, I think it was, there was some bad weather and it looked like we were going to be closed, possibly closed for a bit. And she sent, you know, I talked to her and she said, he's like, he's doing really well. Uh, and there's bad weather. There's no need for, we might not be here in, tomorrow. You know, you might not be able to get in. So if you just want to take him home, that's, you can do that. And so, for, you know, that night, I brought him home and that was sort of started the process of him coming home with me. And then I would bring him back in the morning uh, to vet services and he would stay there in his uh, Ethan hospital room there. And then I'd check in on him a couple of times a day and then I would pick him up uh, on the way home and bring him home. And uh, it's always been about Ethan. So, you know, whatever was best for him. So when he came to my house, it was important that everyone got along and it was important to, to me that he felt at home, um, you know, coming into, you know, a, a group of dogs that are already five dogs, you know, it can be, you know, it can be intimidating. So he, he came right in. He has a unique relationship with each one of the dogs. It's really kind of fun and kind of cute to watch. He gets along well with everyone and it's probably to his credit because he's so laid back he's able to form different relationships with the different dogs. He's not overbearing about anything. He's not food aggressive. He's not toy aggressive. You know, if he's laying on a bed and someone comes and lays on, like he's not, that doesn't bother him. He, he's very respectful of, of people's spaces. Like if there, if one dog's laying on the bed and he wants to lay over there, he'll come and make himself as small as he can 
and lay on the bed just so he doesn't disrupt their space. And so it's been really cute and fun to watch. But he has, you know, early on, obviously he had so many physical things going on. He had, you know, those those pressure ulcers. Uh, he, you know, he had virtually no muscle. And so there was a lot of physical things you could see, but, you know, mentally he was not, he, he just wasn't all there. And, you know, his mind was healing just like his body was. So there were, there were things that he would, you know, if you went to feed him with your hand, you know, he could smell a food or treat in your hand, but he couldn't put his mouth where his nose could smell that. And so he would, he would almost kind of have to feel around on your hand to try to find the food. And, you know, for there for short periods of time, I would take him for a walk outside. And this, this even goes from the very first time, you know, I took him for a walk. He would just kind of wander. It wasn't like, Hey, I'm going on a walk to do a specific thing. Like I'm, I'm going to go to the bathroom or I'm going to, it was just kind of, and I just let him go and I just, you know, let him lead the way. And we just kind of wandered around and Dr. Buley and I had some conversations about it and, you know, he, he sort of did it inside too, when he would be walking around vet services, you could just see that he was, he was just kind of wandering. And um, so I, you know, and I wasn't sure, you know, with him taking food and treats and stuff like that, I decided at nighttime when I would come in, we would just work on some things. And, uh, you know, so we worked on, you know, taking food from your hand, right. And we worked on taking treats and we started doing, you know, I just wanted to get his mind active. So we started, you know, playing fetch with a ball, or we started playing with a stuffed animal, or we started working on sit, or we start, you know, just, I wanted to make sure that his mind was always going. So continuously working and getting better. And uh, it, I mean, it got to the point where, it, I mean, it was an obvious change when he went from, uh, I'm just going to wander around on my leash to I've got a purpose. I'm out here. I'm either going to the bathroom or I'm smelling. I want to see something. I want to see some other dogs. I mean, there was a one weekend, the weekend that I posted a video that he barked for the first time. I mean, he was doing so well, but like that weekend was just, that was the first weekend. Like he, he didn't go back to KHS. He was with me all day, Saturday, all day, Sunday. And you just saw like a light switch go on in his mind. And he, he just, I mean, he just became, a, a dog he became happy and he playing with the other dogs and and he, he watches them like he's learning so many things from you know from watching the other dogs how to react to certain situations so it, that's it's been really fun to watch uh and I, I can't i can't say enough good things about him he's just really good he's got a sweet disposition uh you know to to no one really knows what happened to him beforehand. So we don't know how he got in the situation he was in. We just know he was in that situation and wherever he was, he was in a, a kennel or some confined space that he couldn't get up. It was sort of obvious by his, his sores. He had not had food for, there's no telling how long, you know, hadn't had water in a while, actively dying. You know, Dr. Buley was telling me that they brought him in and he, he didn't even register a temperature. Uh, but she, she also told me that not one time did his heart ever slow or weak or anything that he, he had a will that, you know, as soon as he started getting some, some physical and some medical help, you know, he just, he just essentially started improving. I remember the evening after he came in and we got that all staff email that went out and 
I remember that first Facebook post that went out and um, I checked back in the next day and I think they sent another all staff email out the next day that he was actually doing okay and was already improving. And that was pretty wild to kind of see that. And I think right away, starting to, to watch and follow his story just from the first day when he made it through the night. But also, you know, trying to set realistic expectations, but being surprised every day at how he was improving and how well he continued to do. I went back and looked at the pictures of the day that he was dropped off before you and I talked this morning. And it's hard to look at him without tearing up, being, you know, sad and frustrated, but also seeing the pictures of how he is now next to him. And just, it's absolutely incredible to see where he's come from to where he is. It's just absolutely unreal. Yeah. He's uh, at this point, it's, it's hard for me to go back Yeah, and look at those. They're just so, so heartbreaking. Yeah. It's um, <laughs> I'm tearing up too. I know we both are. Um, it's uh, it's devastating. And um, especially knowing that, um, that he's not alone in that position. It's, it's unreal because I think we all saw it um, happening in real time, but it's unfortunately not that unusual. But I think um, that's one of the things about, about him that's so special is bringing a level of understanding to that. And as hard as it is to see, helping people understand how important the work that not just KHS does, but, you know, the work that Metro does, LMAS, uh, and the work that really every rescue organization does. And I think, um, you know, really how important Ethan is to the extent that he has helped so many animals. For whatever reason, you know, his story became so popular and so viral and people have fallen in love with his story that other shelter animals that need help, you know, don't get the same recognition. So I I just want to do everything that I can to make sure that we can bring recognition to more of those animals out there that need some help. You are tuned in to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. We'll be back after a short break with some original music by John 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 Slater. Welcome back to Sit, Stay, Listen with the Kentucky Humane Society. Last week, we talked about Ethan's arrival and recovery at the Kentucky Humane Society. And this week, we are excited to be talking to Jeff Calloway, 
Ethan's foster turned adoptive family. Now, Ethan has become incredibly popular, more than I think any of us could have ever expected, and the impact of that has been just absolutely unreal. Yeah, I uh, when the Hendersons came by, the family that called in about him, the grandmother called KHS and said, you know, my my grandson was with uh, them, her family, when they were dropping some things off and they found him and that he, the last time he had seen Ethan, you know, he was in the condition he was in. And uh, so they were hoping that he could possibly you know, see Ethan again now that he's much better. So, uh, and, and honestly, you know, to their credit, they said, uh, no media, we, we don't need this out there. We just want to meet him. And, but they said, you know, Courier Journal could come and can take some pictures, but like, we just, I just want him to see him. So he came, uh, they came, the Henderson family and Tatum, and they got to meet Ethan. And, and that was, I mean, that was an amazing experience. And what, what I told them, you know, kind of to the side was you guys, you guys made a phone call and this, it's not down in anyone that didn't. Okay. You could have been looking the other way, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not trying to, but they saw something they stopped and called. There were several cars that drove by and didn't. And they stopped, they saw something, they stopped, they called. And, you know, I, I told them, I, I hope you guys feel good that you saved a life. But what you need to understand is like that phone call saved hundreds of animals, you know, just the, <clears throat> just the ripple effect from that. Um, the, the, uh, the work that the KHS will be able to do because of, you know, the generosity of people donating money and, you know, to be able to take more animals in and uh, more staff and more equipment. And I, I tried to, I tried to tell anybody like the work that, that our vet services team does is like second to none. When, when you, when you hear every life deserves a chance. Like, you know, I go into vet services to do some work. I go in to check, to check in with them, see how they're doing. And every week they're, they are doing something that is just amazing. It may not be out on social media for different, you know, different reasons. There are reasons why things go out and they don't go out, but they do some amazing stuff there. I mean, they are, there's not a time you don't go in there that there's not an animal that they have. She's done surgery that no one else could do or wouldn't do or couldn't afford to do. And that there's an animal in there that is recovering. They just, I, I can't say enough good things about those people in, in our vet services area. They're just, they're heroes to me. Yeah. You know, following our Facebook page too, even watching how many more people are following the work that we're doing. So I often catch a lot of the stories from our vet team and the particular cases they're working on. And a lot of the animals I know would not be able to get care in so many other circumstances. And Ethan and everybody that has supported him has made so much of that possible, which has been absolutely incredible. So since I've started his kind of Facebook page. And it was important to me after seeing, you know, kind of the following that he had and reading some of the stories and seeing some of the cards that came through, it was important to me to continue 
his journey and his story for anyone that wanted to, to keep that going. You know, I'm a pretty private person in general, but it was worth it to keep his story out there, to continue to bring awareness to shelters, to animals. And I get messages daily from all over the country. And the other day I had some ideas about some things I wanted to do. And so I put a request out for, Hey, if, if you, if you sent your story in at one time, or you told your story, or you have a story about how Ethan's story has affected you or your life, send it in to me. I wanted to collect those. I wanted to catalog them. You know, eventually I wanted to do something with those with, you know, obviously with those people's permission, but, and I, 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 I can't read, but maybe one or two of them at a time. I mean, it really just blows my mind. The, the inspiration that he's brought to people in some really bad times is just remarkable. So I, I see those messages from people all over the place. And sometimes it, it, I don't even think about it. I, I'm reading something and I'm thinking, you know, I, I think small and I think locally. So I'm reading a story and they're telling me this heartbreaking story and about how Ethan has helped them. And then it gets to the end and they're from Southern California or they're from Nevada or they're from Canada. And like, and then it hits me like, oh my gosh, like this isn't just a, these aren't just local stories. These are people from all over the country that have seen his story and been following it. So I'm doing my best to continue to, uh, you know, provide, uh, I'm not even sure I call them updates anymore. It's just little snippets of his life throughout the day and pictures. And hopefully people like that. And as long as people want it, I'll, you know, I'll continue to do it. But I want to make sure that his story, you know, Ethan is healthy. He's a, he's a wonderful soul. He's a great spirit. And, and his story will continue, but it, it's going to change and it needs to transform to continue to bring awareness for shelter animals and mistreated animals. Because the truth of the matter is he's not the only one. There are animals left at KHS and other shelters every week. And I, we don't know the situation that Ethan came from. We don't know if it was intentional, unintentional abuse. But the fact of the matter is there is intentional abuse out there and dogs do end up uh, like Ethan uh, because of intentional acts and we need to fix that and hopefully his story can bring awareness to people that have dogs that need some help they need resources or you know if you're looking to get a dog your local shelter KHS there are great dogs there you know I'm very biased so I think he is the perfect mix of everything his DNA said he is, and he's the perfect little dog, but there are perfect dogs in shelters all over the place. So you did get his DNA done? Yes, we got it. We sent off his DNA to the wisdom panel and it came back about a week before his adoption happened. Yeah. And how did that come back? It came back that he's a mix of six breeds. Uh, the highest percentage is Presa Canario. Uh, and then uh, by percentage, it was next was Argentine Dogo and then Mastiff and then Bulldog and then Cane Corso and Staffordshire Terrier. All right. I know there were a lot of people saying he has to have Dane. <laughs> I could see where people might say he was Dane. If you saw him in person, you would say he's not Dane. Like he's a, <laughs> he's a Mastiff mix. And to me, he's a, a perfect mix of those breeds and it just he, he just comes out to a perfect little dog now what does he weigh now uh, i think he's at 92 pounds no that's yeah, wild. 92 pounds he came in at 38 uh, and so we're up to 92 now and you know he's at 
I think he's at a really good weight right now for what he is. He needs to build probably some more muscle, especially in his back legs. There are times when he is mostly when he's trying to do quite a few stairs or when you see him like doing a lot of running and playing in the backyard where you can see he needs a little bit more strength in his back legs, but he is, he's doing wonderful. So tell us about your family and Ethan's family now. So Ethan's family now consists of five other dogs, a little pit mix named Jinx. Uh, Jinx is three, a little terrier mix named Molly, who is about 13 or so. Jinx uh, was adopted from KHS. Molly was a dog that my wife found wandering the streets in Corden, you know, very skinny, obviously looking for food 10, 11 years ago. He has three Great Dane sisters, Freya, who is three. She's white and she's deaf. Luna, who is five, is a Harlequin Great Dane. And Ivy is seven, almost eight. She's a blue Great Dane. And he has a very interesting uh, relationship with all of them. Uh, They all at different points play and some play more than others, but he he gets along great with all those dogs and him and Jinx have become the boys have become buddies at first they were um, uh, they played but then when it was time to rest or eat or something like that they kind of traded off and now they just lay together whether it's on the couch or the bed so they become pretty good buddies and he has a couple of human siblings at home Mason uh, 15 and Charity is 12 and then we have uh, I've got two kids that pop in and out at different times because they're in college Elijah and Hannah, and of course my wife Dana, and she is she is every bit a dog as much of a dog lover as I am. Or like it like it probably just wouldn't work. Uh, I told her Ethan's story, and she said, "What what can we do for him?" And I said, "Right now, I'm going to go in every night and take care of him." And she said, "Tell me if, I, if there's anything I need to do." So when it came time to bring him home, she said bring him in. Well, let's see if he gets along with everybody. We'll do everything we can for him. And he got along great with everybody. She fell in love with him as soon as she saw him and got to know him. And it's, it's a great little family. Now I feel very uh, blessed and happy that he chose me and chose us. It might sound cliche to say this, but people make comments about how, how wonderful Ethan is and how great he is. I wish that all those people could meet him. Because he, to me, is so much more than even all that. Like, you just can't, you just, it's hard to describe. Like, you have to spend some time with him. And he is just, he's just a special soul. Sometimes I don't even like to use the word dog. Not that that's, you know, not good. But to me, he's a being. He's a spirit. He's a soul. And he's just very special. And I'm hoping that uh, a lot of people can uh, experience that same thing. So what's the plan for Ethan and your family moving forward? Um, I think for us, as far as Ethan goes, as long as his story is popular and can bring awareness to other animals, that's what I want. I'm hoping that maybe it could be some therapy classes. Maybe it could be a good citizenship type thing. But I'm really hoping that the support that, that he has kind of mustered up, I hope that that continues, but I want to do everything I can to help the animals that are still out there to help any shelter that's around here. I, I just want him to be able to do what, whatever uh, allows that to happen. So how can people find Ethan on Facebook? He is 
on Instagram and Facebook, he's Ethan Almighty. There's a link on KHS page. And there's an email address to I am Ethan Almighty at gmail.com. You could email me that and I could send you the link if for some reason it's not popping up. I'd be happy to do that. But yes, please continue to follow him and uh, support him. And maybe through his stories, we can continue to support all the local shelters, uh, support KHS and do what we can to help uh, all the shelter animals around Kentucky. Well, thank you so much for sharing not just Ethan's story, but your story. You know, we've all gotten to follow on social media, but getting to know a little bit more about him as a being and as an individual. Thank you for having me on. It was really nice. I really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Sit, Stay, Listen on Forward Radio 1065 FM. Don't forget to visit our website, forwardradio.org. And thank you so much for our listeners and supporters out there. Our pledge drive was a success because of you. Everybody take care and have a great rest of your day.